Welcome to Your Divorce Planner Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi B., certified divorce coach, event expert, and go-to gal for navigating the next steps of your divorce journey. I'm so happy you've tuned in for the tools, topics, and truth talk to start transforming your life today. I truly believe that with a powerful planning partner, you will heal the heartbreak and move forward faster. Without further delay, let's continue creating your comeback today. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We have a really special guest for you today. I have Sarah Moore, who is a women's leadership coach. With over a decade of experience, she coaches women to know what they want and to have the courage to speak it and pursue it. Whether she is a senior executive leading a global brand, a wife, a mom who is tired of wondering if she's enough, or an entrepreneur trying to figure it all out, Sarah coaches clients who struggle with self-doubt and want more of one thing, wholeness. Sarah is the creator of the Pump Up Session, a one-of-a-kind, fully curated mini retreat designed to help women reset their thoughts and quiet their internal chatter. Sarah's first book, Full of Herself, is available for purchase now. She lives in Columbus, Ohio with her husband, Preston, and their son, Austin. And you can find more information about her on moresoulsessions.com. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you, Heidi. I'm excited to be here. I am excited to have you. You and I haven't gone deep with one another uh, yet, so this is going to be a great session to just talk all things. I want to get into your book. I want to get into you and what you do and all the things. But first, maybe start by telling us a little bit about you and why you're so passionate about what you do. Oh my gosh, what a big question. It is. What feels relevant today with regards to that? You know, I've been saying since I've released this book and been talking about it that I think what makes me effective as a coach, meaning I'm passionate about the work, I want to do the work, is that I'm on the journey with my clients, right? There is nothing I would rather be doing with my time than developing an intimate relationship with myself understanding what are my fears, what are my desires, enjoying my own company, journaling about what's on my mind, traveling, right? It's such a gift to me to develop that. And it's not, it it isn't something that's come naturally. You know, I grew up in an alcoholic home and the hallmark of alcoholism is often codependence. Mm. Right. There's so much focus on the alcoholic because there's so much chaos around them. And so there's a lot of fixing and managing behaviors that are learned, not necessarily optimal, even though I came by them honestly. And so I've had to unlearn some of those traits. Of course, I still practice them. Of course, they're still part of me. And yet, what's this other side? What's this What does unbridled joy look like? What does it even look like to allow myself to feel a tiny bit of joy? I've been so transformed by Brene Brown's work. I remember, right, like 2012, 2013, somewhere around there, Daring Greatly came out and it changed my life. It gave words to everything I was thinking and feeling and gave this framework for, yes, 
this is what I stand for. This is the kind of coaching I want to do. And I was so moved when I read that joy is the most vulnerable emotion we feel. Yes. And it stuck with me, right? So what does it mean just to allow myself to feel just a little bit of joy and not try and stave it off, not try and circumvent it? Well, that's a forever practice. Oh, yeah. So so I'm passionate. I'm passionate about the work that I do because it's the work that I'm doing. I'm moved by conversations like this because I get to learn and share and... Yeah, that's what I'd have to say about that for now. That is so beautiful. And I love everything that you just shared. And especially that you shared Brene's practice of joy is the most vulnerable, right? And I'll tell you why. It's because when I went through divorce, I lost all of my joy. I thought I did, right? I thought I lost access to it. And when we talk about joy as being the most vulnerable part of it, I felt like I had lost it because I went through a whole phase of blocking it, of cutting it off because I didn't want to be vulnerable anymore. I didn't want other people to see me uh, going through a hard time. I didn't want people to see me in my sadness. I didn't want to share my grief. I didn't want to experience grief. So I distracted myself in so many ways, which in essence, that's what blocked my joy. And when I decided to start showing up for myself, and I like to use the phrase using self-discovery for your recovery, because Mm -hmm. I think once we allow ourselves to get vulnerable enough to know ourselves, that's when we get greater access to those deeper emotions. So thank you for that, because it's so important. How, How did you get to the space of being a women's empowerment coach or women's leadership coach? Sorry. A twisting and turny journey, which I love. <laughs> I um I went to the University of Sheffield in the UK. So I was I was born in America. I was raised in England, went to university there, and then moved to the States when I was about 22 and then furthered my education here. And I'm, I'm 40 now. So I've been in America as long as I spent in England, which is really wild because I think of myself as English. I sound English, and yet in my day-to-day movement, I'm very American. (laughs) I've never never adulted in England. And so I share that because over the last two to three years, I've started mentoring students at the University of Sheffield as part of their mentoring scheme. Oh, wow. And I've been so impressed, firstly, by these young women that I've had built relationships with because I thought, golly, if I had even remotely that ounce of sense of self back then, woof, right? And that I also get to help to contribute to building theirs as well. And they often ask me, what's your journey been? And I say anything but linear. <laughs> and they experience, I can see it physically in their body, even through the screen, the sense of relief because of the pressure they feel to know where they're headed, right? Mm. I also started doing some work with sororities, which has been so eye-opening. Again, the tremendous leadership skills that these women have, and yet the terror they have of making the wrong decision, of disappointing their parents. And I think regardless of our stage of life, 
we all spend way too much time focusing on what other people think of us and not enough time remembering that our opinion about ourselves is the one that matters most. Mm. So with regards to the journey I've taken to becoming a coach, somehow, unwittingly, almost every career decision I've made really was born out of passion and purpose. So for instance, I went back to do a master's degree and I had this dream of being a travel writer. And what I was studying was aligned potentially with that outcome. And I was being paid to do this boring teacher assistantship of documenting old historical files. And it it meant nothing to me. So I ended up quitting that, quitting the stipend that I was getting and blagging my way into being an editor for the local newspaper because I wanted to write, but I just didn't have much writing history. And they assigned me to the department that was going out and interviewing all of the local entrepreneurs in town. Ah, So I was hearing firsthand all of their stories, Mm. creating an article around them, and then sharing that with the community. And I didn't know that it was paving the way for me to become an entrepreneur myself. I couldn't have calculated how that experience then translated into me deciding to write a blog for a decade and then write a book. I simply did it because it felt right. Yes. And it was aligned with the next best vision I had for myself. And then I think what's key, Heidi, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this for myself and I'm talking about a lot of this in my coaching work is I then had just enough awareness and courage to pivot when it seemed like a different path was opening up, even though I didn't know the path. So I yes. ended up working in oil and gas for a while. I ended up working in the lingerie industry because I wanted to open my own bra boutique. I have a tiny rib cage and a fuller bust. And I thought, I can't find a bra that fits. There's a need in the market. And that was an all-female company. So that was where I first started to taste coaching, mentoring other women. And right around that time, I came across an article as a life coach And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the thing I've always wanted to do, but I'd never even heard of a life coach until that moment. And I I remember when I was 14 at um, a, uh, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up night at school? And I said, I'd love to get paid to have intimate conversations. But I knew it wasn't a therapist or a counselor. I just didn't know what the alternative was. So I've meandered and and paid attention to what was calling me, even though maybe it didn't make the most sense. Mm. You know, I had a master's degree in comparative literature and I ended up working in retail. They they almost didn't hire me because they didn't think I would stick around for that long because it was an unusual combination. I got hired and it was the most great experience, you know, exactly where I was supposed to be. So that's a little bit about how I've got here. Ah, I'm so glad I asked that question. It's I love getting to know people's backstories and how vast of a variety we can have in our portfolio that leads us down the path that we don't even realize is happening. Um, I really, really loved what you said about working with women about the pressure to know where you're headed. 
why do you think we have this pressure? Because it still exists. I mean, why do we have this pressure to know where we're headed? Where does this come from? I think the root of it is perfectionism. Yeah. Right? I think people misdefine, me included, to a certain point, what perfectionism is. It's not doing everything perfectly, crossing our T's and dotting our I's. It's trying to earn somebody else's approval. Yes. Right? And so it can show up as being overly organized and prepared, simply a coping mechanism because we're scared that if we don't, we won't get that approval. Mm. And I think as women from a very young age, we're surrounded by that kind of messaging. Yeah. Right? Be a mother, but don't be overly bearing and you must enjoy it. Have a career and be present at home, right? Get married and that's your partner for life. There's a permanence to it. God forbid you decide to get divorced. You know, you can get educated now. So go and do that. Live up to your potential. And we don't really know what to do with you if you actually want to stay home and raise a family and not have a career. You know, so much messaging around our bodies and the perfectionistic nature of how they're supposed to look and be treated. Mm. And so I think unwittingly, we instill a lot of that and then we have to unlearn it. Mm. And, and we're not necessarily taught that our voice is valuable because it's ours. Mm, yes. How to think for ourselves and articulate those thoughts. Um, and so I think it's a long journey of unlearning. Yeah. And then relearning, right? It's unlearning yeah. how to untangle all of those those things that no longer serve you that actually never did. And then relearning who you are and how to stand fully in that, you know? And I, I think part of that relearning is really understanding visceral cues. So for me, visceral cues mean body-based cues. It means like, what's a yes for me? What's a no for me? And knowing for me that that never has lived in my head. And Mm -hmm. instead of going to my brain to strategize everything, I now turn into my body and have learned what does a, a yes feel like so I can make the next best decision for myself. So I can lean into what feels right. Like you said, in all of your journey of pivoting to different things of like, instead of trying to think through it all, just going, what feels right? I don't have to understand it. I don't have to explain it. I just have to lean in that direction a little bit more. Oh, I think you hit the nail on the head there. And I don't know that this issue applies just to women, the idea of living in our head. I'm thinking out loud here, so I don't know if this is quite on the money. I think men have a, they just have more confidence about them, right, in general. And so I think thinking from the head may feel a little freer for a man than it does for a woman. Although I still think they are disconnected in a lot of ways from their head down into their body. I'd be be interested to test, to think of that through more for myself, even after this conversation. And I think that that connection, right, of, of dropping out of our mind and actually listening to what it is our body is telling us, Mm-hmm. She's speaking all of the time mm-hmm. is so vital because if we only stay in our head, we're experiencing exactly what you said, overwhelm, second guessing, 
which is all based in a, in a distrust with self. And that, I'll tell you, Heidi, that's exactly the reason I created the pump-up session, was to help women get out of their heads and to start understanding what it feels like to make decisions from a more embodied place. Because yes. our intuition doesn't live in our brain. It lives, lives down in our hearts, in our souls, in our bellies, in our guts. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's a transformation when we can start making decisions differently. Yeah. And if you've never worked with someone who can actually show you how to do that in a safe way, right? How to access those things. It doesn't make any sense, right? Because that's a logical thing. Mm-hmm. Like this doesn't yep. make any sense for me. Why would I want to, how, how would I do that? What, how's that going to change anything? But when you experience it in real time with a, a safe facilitator, a coach, a mentor who has practiced the tools themselves and, and with others and has the knowledge and the experience, it is a transformative moment of understanding yourself at a deep cellular level. And that's when I think our awareness heightens and our connection to sense of self really deepens. Now, you have a new book out. You're a new author. Your book is called Full of Herself. And I was really curious, why this book? Why now? Why this? Why now? I've always wanted to write a book Mm. from 18, 19. I envisaged that for myself. In high school, I wrote a short story and it got so much praise from the teachers. And so it instilled an idea that maybe I could write some way, somehow. And I think, it, it, you know, like anything, it felt right. I finally felt like I've been on this journey for myself long enough that I have some things to say. Mm-hmm. I feel tenured enough as a coach that I think I've got some interesting perspectives. And I don't think I couldn't have written it if I tried. You know, it was time. It was, you know, <laughs> yeah. it was time to start typing. And the title was a recommendation from somebody I met with about potentially writing a book and was inspired by Oprah. Oh, I went, I went to her Live a Life You Love tour, also 2013. So around the same time, I read Daring Greatly by Brene. And Oprah came out onto the stage. And in that big booming voice of hers, she said, I yearn to be full of myself. She flung her arms wide open. And I thought, heck, yeah, me too. I'm not sure what that means. But I can feel it and I can see it in you and I believe you. What's Mm. interesting is the phrase didn't really stick with me. It wasn't something I started using. I just knew it was a lovely moment when she said that. Yeah. And so thanks to sort of the recommendation of this uh, writer that I, I talked to a couple of years ago. And as I was describing the concept, she said, you have to call it full of of herself and what we've since worked through is oh wow like that's something we think of quite negatively a woman who is full of herself we associate with being conceited arrogant heaven forbid you're too big for your britches and we're on a mission to redefine that and say a woman who is full of herself firstly is the most beautiful thing you'll ever see because it's an act of humility right? It's living into our God-given fullness. And secondly, our definition is finding the audacity to love who you are. Ooh, 
I wanted to ask you about the word audacity. Why that word and what does it mean in that sense? Finding the audacity to love who you, you are. Know, this, is, this is so funny. People are picking up on the word audacity. We didn't think anything of it when we came up with the subtitle or the mission. We just liked it and thought it worked. And it's back to the first question you asked me, which is, I don't think there's anything braver or bolder than doing our own work. Mm-hmm. Then de- what I, I say our work, right? Doing what it takes to develop a sense of self that we feel at peace with, mm. that we feel contentment about. I actually, that, that's, when you look at an emotion and emotional scale, joy, freedom, love, empowerment is at the top of that scale, right? Yep. And then we start to kind of move down a little bit happiness, positive expectation, optimism, hopefulness. And then you've got contentment. And that's about number seven on the spot of 20. Mm -hmm. And I think joy, you and I talked about that a little bit at the beginning. It's awesome to feel joy. And if we cut off the bottom of our feelings, we also cut cut ourselves off from the top of the feeling. So we narrow what we can feel. And at the same time, I'm looking to come home to contentment. Yes, I can feel joy and I want it. And I know it's going to be more fleeting. I I define contentment as this idea that nothing needs to change. Nothing. Mm. For me to feel okay with who I am and where I am. And, And so I think in the world that we live in, it's really audacious. It's really big. It's a really big deal to explore what that means for you as an individual because it looks a little different for all of us. Mm. So I'm glad we inadvertently landed on the word. <laughs> I, I'm really glad to two reasons. The first one is like uh, full of herself, like you mentioned, can have that a different meaning. Like you're full of yourself. What do you mean? Oh, you're just all about you. And, you know, well, actually, yeah, I know me. I I know me. I understand me. Audacity. When I first heard the word audacity, it made me feel like, how dare you, right? You, oh, you had the odd and the negative connotation again, right? Like you had the audacity to say that you had the like a negative connotation, But if I flip it, I can almost say, like, I dare you. I dare you to be courageous enough. I dare you to be willing enough to take a deeper journey into who you are. If I think about it in that way, it just has such a powerful meaning and in the way that you've intended it, just having having the audacity to really step up and into it. Um, but it's it's I picked up on that word right away when I read the fine print. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to ask her about the word audacity. Oh, I'm so glad you did. I'm fascinated to learn what all of this means to other people. And, you know, when we did our branding guide as a business, one of the words that we landed on to describe ourselves was punchy. Ooh. Because I feel like I have a little punch to me. Yeah. You know, like I'm not afraid to kind of swing in a left hook, which is more aggressive, although maybe not necessarily intense from an aggressive place. It's just sort of like, it's full of honesty and courage and, oh yeah, let's go there. And I'm not afraid. And it's also playful and fun, like punchy, right? Let's kind of let loose. Let's have at it. And, uh, And so I think your definitions, like sort of how dare you and I dare you, 
they're almost a nice blend of both of those. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, oh, this just came to mind, Heidi. How threatened women can be by other women or how threatened we feel by success because we think it's reflecting back our own sense of loss or insecurity. And I've totally forgotten where I was going with that. I really like that, what what you just said, because uh, I often ask myself, okay, when you feel triggered, Heidi, what part of you is feeling insecure? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think there's a lot of truth in triggers. Um, I think there's a lot of teaching in triggers being activated by someone else outside of yourself going, okay, what am I choosing to believe about this situation or this person that I haven't yet made peace with or accepted within myself? Because that could very well be the underlying factor why I'm feeling activated in this moment. And it doesn't happen as often now as it used to because I'm aware of it. But like, I, I really yeah. lean into the trigger trigger sensation there. So I love that yeah. so much. Yeah, I, I love the line, you know, you can't push a button that doesn't exist within me. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, so the trigger is all mine, regardless of what you're doing. Yes. All mine to look at. And I remember the audacious thing, like, oh, you almost feel when you, when you're comparing, when I'm comparing myself. Like, oh, I almost feel a bit like, oh, how dare you go out and have that success? (laughs) Right now I'm feeling crappy about myself. Well, that's, I'm not in a, one, a very spiritually evolved or content place when I'm feeling that. So it's the sign of some work. And yet I think audacity is maybe mirroring, not the best of ourselves, how we're, we're showing up in everyday life in ways that we can actually improve and evolve around, evolve around. Mm. Yes. I remember the first time I saw you, I met you at a networking event and I just thought, I love this woman. I I mean, I didn't know a thing about you other than who you were and what you did, but your energy was punchy. And I feel like I have a punchiness to me too. It's this passion. It's this enthusiasm for life. It's this zest. It's this unapologetic. Uh, if I'm feeling like this, here I am. If I'm feeling silly, here I am. It's this authenticity that shines through in your zest for life. So I love your punchiness so very much. I think it's such a gift. Thank you. Okay. So who is this book for? Oh, it's for the woman who is tired of fighting with herself and the people around her. It's Mm. for the woman who's spending too much time overthinking and second guessing herself and yearns to feel a sense one of can I feel seen and heard in some of these patterns that I've developed and a sense of I want to be different I want to feel differently about who I am and I'd love to take on some tools and stories that can help me do that yeah Oh, so good. And what are some of the outcomes that you hope people um, will have after reading this book or some of the takeaways? I think so much of that feels like it's out of my hands. Yes. You know, uh, I think that's what lovely and a little scary about writing a book and then sharing it. Uh, of course, I'm just at the very beginning of that sharing journey. So ask me in a year, I might feel really differently. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, I would hope that they feel inspired to explore what it means to feel more full of themselves and that it's permission to experience their variety of that because it looks so different on all of us. When I was leading 
the pump up sessions on a really regular basis, one of the disservices I did unintentionally to the members that we had was not referencing the nuance in how we can feel full of ourselves. Because as the leader of that experience, I take up a lot of space. Yeah, I'm willing to dance and be seen. I'm quite happy to use my voice in myriad ways. And the truth is feeling full of herself can be quiet Mm. and gentle and shy and honoring our awkwardness. It can be, it's the whole emotional range. It's just an honesty about who we are in the moment that we're in so that we don't feel shame, so that we don't then lean into trying to gain somebody else's approval above our own. And um, and so I think that it's really exciting to think about not only what's your variety of being full of yourself, but also what does that look like in all different contexts of my life? Yeah. So a little spark around, huh, what does that mean for me? And that I can be more, feel more and do more, not because I need to, to be better, because there's something inside of me that's saying, yes, please. Yes, yes. I remember when I finally felt full of myself and I had never felt full of myself before. It was a new feeling of this, this wholeness, this trueness, this wholeness, this realness. And I had really been labeled my whole life as an extrovert. You're you're an extrovert. You're so outgoing. You have so many friends. Everybody likes you. Everybody likes being around you. But I realized through finding my fullness that I was feeling very depleted by all the masks that I was wearing, trying to people please, trying to be a version of me that I thought would be acceptable trying to be a version of me that I thought would allow me to belong longer in different circles. And that all came as a result of not being full of myself, not really knowing myself. And being full of myself feels just like the deepest, deep, deep self-love. And when I found that for myself, it was very freeing, very liberating. And I think I showed up to people in a way that they weren't prepared for. And what I mean by that was I felt quieter. I felt calmer. I felt like I didn't need to fill the space of conversation the way that I had in the past. And I was willing to sit in the silence with people rather than be the one to keep the conversation going, 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 going. I felt like I left get togethers when I felt like I had had enough and not in a bad way, just like, wow, this was a really great time. Thank you. Goodbye. And I felt like I started to give myself permission to just spend time by myself. And in the past, I would feel like, oh my gosh, if I'm not doing something with other people every single second of the day, I'm kind of a loser. What's going on with me? And once I felt full of myself, I really felt free to explore those quiet moments and found a sense of belonging just being with me. And I finally like being with me. And I think part of it is we don't realize that maybe when we feel alone, we don't like who we're with, right? Mm. Amen, sister. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I hear people say, I feel so alone, I feel so alone. I'm like, work on loving who you're with and that's yourself. So have you ever listened to Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey? No. Is it a, what is it? A book, a podcast? What is, what is it? It's a, it's a book he wrote and he narrated the audio version. I'd never listened to an audio book because I love to read, read an actual book. Me too. And 
it was so recommended to listen to the audio because it's his voice and it brought this whole richness and texture to the story, listening to the cadence in his voice. And I was, firstly, it's a fabulous book about his life. Fabulous. I mean, he's a fabulous storyteller. And I was so moved by his example of how much he loved his own company and countless journey, literally journeys he has taken with himself and how he seeks that out for himself and how his wife encourages him to do that. She can tell when he's getting antsy. And it's ne- it was never so clear to me of how much more I wanted of that in my life. So I, I even though he's a man and we're talking about women, couldn't care less. It's just a wonderful resource and, and, and certainly inspired me to become more in sync with myself. Oh, thank you for sharing that. I always love checking out new things. I'll definitely be adding that to my audio list for sure. (laughs) I was also wondering if you learned anything about yourself while writing this book, because I know from other people being authors, they've told me that it's it's quite a journey in, in and of itself to write and to share and to publish and to edit all, all the phases and, and probably so much more because I've never authored a book. But is there anything that you really learned about yourself through this process? So many things. Firstly, well, let me see what feels most important today to me. I think it was the way I went about the project. What I'll share before I share that specific is I healed a lot of things Mm. because it is mostly memoir, revisiting stories and having conversations with a bully, for instance. I was Mm. bullied when I was about 11 and there was a whole series of knock-on effects as a result of that. And reuniting with the bully, and I, w- I won't say any more about that, but it was just a very healing process. So getting to see these stories that I constructed through a completely new lens and having a whole new appreciation for literally the stories I make up. And I just don't know what I don't know, you know, and how narrow my view of my life can be. So that's one thing. But then How I went about this is I think I've always loved being a coach and I've been much more challenged by the business of coaching, Mm -hmm. right? You know, it's somewhat hard to go out even today and just get a job as a coach. So by the very nature of being able to coach full time, one of the main ways we can do that is to have our own business. And I fell into that really in the sense that I was totally naive, thank goodness, about what it took to really build a business. And I think 10 years in, I'm just wrapping my arms around what it truly means. And so I've been very strategic about how I've launched things in my business. You know, if I have this retreat, then hope, then I'll sell this thing at the end and then I'll be able to get people in and that will kind of be payment for a few months, right? It's sort of very strategic. Yes. And I just decided to write the book. I just decided that it was time and it's the most obvious example I had sort of, you know, a little bit into this process of making a decision in a surrendered way. 
Mm. So much of my journey has been control versus surrender, clench versus unclench. And I'm still learning about that. I think I always will be. And I didn't worry about the money it would take to write the book, edit the book, design the book, proofread the book, publish the book, buy the copies, have the launch. It was just in the natural order of things. And I wasn't in it to get anything out of it other than write the book for me. And the cherry on top was, well, then it gets to help somebody else. That was almost so obvious I didn't have to think about it. And for that reason, the whole process, been just shy of two years from the very first word to the book party two weeks ago, has been hard and incredibly joyful. Ah. Incredibly joyful. And the reception has been tremendous. And I I almost have to sit back and laugh because I'm like, of course it would be because I didn't put any expectations or parameters around what the outcome had to be. Yeah. And yet as part of my journey, I'm still delighting in that fact. I'm still reveling in, oh, this is how I can, one, become more full of myself, but two, sort of make decisions with greater ease, right? I I just spoke at a fundraiser last week and I said, you know, the most simple, meaningful goal we can have for ourselves is to feel good as often as possible. Yes. Not toxic positivity, not denying the range of emotions, but really to feel good as often as possible. And that's what this process has given me. Oh, I love that so much. It's amazing what happens when we (laughs) pair surrender with doing things for ourselves. It is amazing. (laughs) So that is such a golden nugget. Now, Sarah, I usually ask people, ask my guests, what's one way someone can start creating their comeback now? But in this case, I was thinking about asking you, what are some of the ways we can practice being full of ourselves now? Ooh, what a lovely question. Earlier, I shared that women especially, we get tripped up people-pleasing and wondering, oh, what will they think? Mm. I experienced depression and suicidal thinking at one point in my life. And I went through this treatment program and it was the most incredible experience in surrender. And the therapist there said that the four most devastating words in the English language are just that. What will they think? And it hit me over the head. It did all of the things to me. And so I truly believe that the antidote to that, an antidote to that, that we can start asking ourselves much more often is what do I think? Yes. What do I think about this skirt that I'm wearing? I think I look pretty good in it. Okay, great. I'm going to wear the skirt. What do I think about what I have to share in the meeting? Well, you know, I, I think I've done some great research here and I think that there's some value to give. Great. I'm going to share it, right? And I think that Feelings are incredibly important. And I think we really have to develop the skill of being able to name them. And also our feelings aren't necessarily facts. Yes. 
So I quite like what do I think as an antidote, not just to what will they think, but what do I feel? Because sometimes my feelings, a lot of times they'll lead me awry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and it, it, it's a lot of work with a coach, a therapist, a mentor, I think, to really find that balance. And it's also very doable with some practice. So I think um, I love the question, what do I think? And I'll also back it up by saying, I've never met a woman or a man that I've respected greatly who doesn't have some kind of reflective practice that they do consistently. Mm -hmm. Because I think some of the pushback to what do I think is, well, holy shit, Sarah, if I knew what I thought, I'd just be doing it or I'd just be saying it. And I'm like, such a valid point. I totally understand. And so when we take time to sit quietly, journal, meditate, move, breath work, anything that, again, right, as we were saying, gets us out of our head and into our body and gives us the chance to reflect on what's happened, then we can center into ourselves. And typically an answer to the what do I think question will emerge. Even if it's, I don't know what to do. That's an answer, a very, very powerful one. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't know, then we can say, okay, then there's nothing for me to do right now. I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other and I'm going to keep it simple. And in 10 minutes, when I overthink again or second guess myself, I can ask the question and still, if still the answer is, nothing to do. I don't know what to do. I'm feeling a little confused. I can just let that sit. But if I just land headfirst into that question without some kind of practice that slows my thinking and myself down, I'm not going to trust the answer nearly as much. So I think those two things in combination are the gift that keeps on giving. It never stops. I'm not at my best when I think I can skip five days. Um, You know, it's just the work of a lifetime. And we can get started one five minute, one 15 minute, one morning at a time with something that allows a little bit of space for us to think. Mm, That is so beautiful. That is so good. It is so, so good. You have... um, I quote on your books, your book website that I love so much. It says, we are so busy making sure people like us while rarely stopping to ask ourselves, do I like who I am? And that Mm -hmm. gets me choked up just to read it out loud. It goes hand in hand with what do I think? And you're right. That is the question that keeps on giving and it won't let you down if you slow down and you ask it and you sit with it. It's so beautiful. So I know that our listeners are going to want to get more of you and your book in their life. How can they find you? How can they connect with you? How can they get more of you, Sarah? Website is more, like my last name, M-O-O-R-E, moresoulsessions.com. I write a blog every week. Like I said, I've been writing it for a decade and we get so many wonderful responses each week about how it's touching people. And in there, I'm sharing just the intimate details of how I'm full of myself, how I'm falling way short, tools and insights to help us walk this journey. So you can sign up on the website to be a part of the blog. 
There's also a section on there to go and buy a copy of Full of Herself. I will sign it and will include a little gift for you. And it would be my absolute pleasure to send that out to you and see how it transforms you. And uh, we're also on Instagram at more.soul.sessions. Beautiful. We'll put everything in the show notes so people can easily click and find. I have two quick closing questions I ask every single one of my guests. Um, The first one is, what is one thing that you love about you? Oh, I think I have a smile that lights up a room. Yes, you do. (laughs) You do. (laughs) And the last question is, what does joy feel like in your body? It feels like a peace, like there's a settledness about me in, in my bones and in my skin. It feels like a little bit of a tingle. It feels like a, oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It can sometimes feel a little scary. So I can also feel myself at times pushing it away Mm. or or thinking about something that's not going to work out. Mm. And it feels delightful. And I try to milk the heck out of it when it shows up. Yes. So good. I'm so grateful for your time, your energy, your expertise, and your true light. You do light up a room. And I just want to thank you for being here and sharing all that with us today. Right back at you. Thank you for this conversation. It was lovely. And a kind reminder to all of our listeners as we close, remember you are safe. You are loved. You are enough. Go out into the world, shine your light bright and live a limitless life. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in. If you loved our chat or know someone who would, take a quick screenshot and share it now or leave a five-star review so this message can reach the masses. Let's continue connecting. Drop me a DM at Your Divorce Planner or go to yourdivorceplannerhub.com to start coordinating your comeback today. You can even schedule a free connection call to dive into your desires and understand how partnering with Your Divorce Planner will be a game changer for your next chapter. Tune in next week for another transformational topic. And remember, you are loved, you are worthy, you are enough. Take care.